On this week's episode, we spotlight sheep worrying, an issue that is sadly in the headlines more often than it should be. But where do farmers stand legally in terms of how they can protect their flock? And what powers do police have when it comes to responding to call-outs? I'm Hannah Park, Senior Livestock Reporter at the Farmers Guardian, and I spoke to Rob Taylor recently, Wales's first all-Wales rural crime coordinator. Rob has many years' experience of rural policing and spoke to me about where farmers stand legally if a dog attacks their livestock, as well as recent changes in legislation which would give police more powers when dealing with dog attacks on livestock. We were also joined by Nicola Noble, who heads up the National Sheep Association's work around sheep worrying. Nicola told me about the ongoing work the organisation is doing to raise the profile of sheep worrying among policymakers and the general public. I just thought it'd be good today to start, Nicola, if you could, with um, just talking to us a bit about the numbers of incidents that are going on. Do you think that they've increased? And, and if so, why do you think that's the case? Um, yeah, so um, from the data that we gather, so every um, or we try every year to do an annual survey, a sheep worrying survey, and from those sorts of figures, we, we generally saw an increase in the number of livestock worrying incidences that seemed to link into sort of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I think a lot more people were working from home that time of year. Um, they had a bit more time to exercise the dogs, maybe gathered their dog, uh, decided to buy a new dog at that time of year. And we're still seeing the legacy effects from that sort of three years on, that there still seem to be that high level of um, sheep rearing since it's happening. Um, I think, like I say, more households bought dogs as they're working from home. Um, and they may be stuck at home in lockdown and then as restrictions decrease, the dogs were suddenly allowed to interact with environments that they have maybe not been in before, including visiting sheep, going through sheep farms. Um, and we're still concerned that those increased number of cases of sheep wearing are due to those higher levels of dog ownership. Sort of a lockdown puppy, uh, lockdown puppy, we like to call it. <laughs> yeah, no, certainly. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, that's not surprising, is it? That I think we all kind of saw the the dog sales go through the roof and the prices and things were, were daft at one point. So it's no surprise that um, perhaps there's more dogs just around at the minute. Um, and obviously, it, it must have a, a a devastating impact on on the farmers that are involved in this. Is this something that you kind of gather any evidence of in terms of the, the financial loss, but also the kind of frustration and the stress that's involved? Yes, we do, Hannah. Yes, as I said before, we run this, um, we try to do the annual survey um, and the main things that come out of it, we ask about how does it make you feel? So it's not just um, the financial, say the financial side of it and, and that side of the worry, but also the negative health effects on the farmer. Um, so there's the financial loss of directly using the ewe, her lambs, and sometimes both of those animals, the downstream production effects, sort of miscarrying um, difficulty during lambing, which aren't covered by compensation. Um, but there's also those direct negative health effects on the farmer themselves because they either witness their animals suffering or worse, they find them dead or dying. Um, and again, from our surveys, alarmingly, most farmers don't actually witness the sheep wearing incidents. They're just left to pick up the pieces. Um, and I guess not knowing how long the animals have been there, left injured and or suffering, um, it, it has a massive personal impact on the farmer themselves with the most common emotion being anger, which I guess comes from the stress, the anxiety and frustration of feeling helpless when they're faced with the sheep wearing incident of just finding it in the field. Mm -hmm. And just on that, Rob, if I can just bring you in, um, Nicola just said there a lot of, of time, a lot of the time it's farmers are sort of arriving to the scene of, of this act having taken place. They haven't actually seen it, uh, seen it go on. So what does the law say 
what 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 is a farmer's rights if they catch a dog in the act of sheep worrying as in it's they're physically doing it or and does this differ if they kind of arrive to the field and see that this has taken place what what are they entitled to do what can they do yeah, it's only so they're entitled to defend their flock uh, only as a last resort, really. And, and the most, the vast majority, nearly all the farmers I've spoken to over the years, it's the last thing they want to do is actually shoot a dog because they're animal lovers themselves. Uh, but they do have the right to do that if it's the last resort and the owner's not present and there's no other option available to them. I mean, if an attack's happened and the dog's been cornered, they do not have the right to uh, shoot the dog then, and that, that would come under a criminal damage so they could find themselves. Uh, being uh, subject to the law themselves, which uh, nobody wants them to be in that position. So, yeah, they do have the right to do so. But on doing so, if they if they have to take that move and, and they legally shoot a dog, they have to report it to the police within 48 hours. That's the duty that they have to do. Okay. And um, I know that NSA do a lot of work to encourage farmers to report every incident to the police. Um, do you, is that is that something that you would say is helpful, Rob? Would you encourage that as well for people to actually report these incidents? Yeah, it's interesting. I want to pick up what Hannah said before, really, because it's really interesting. Everybody looks at this from a different viewpoint. So my, I, I came into this in 2013, so 10 years now, and uh, I, I had no knowledge really, other than being in the police myself and as a constable many, many years ago, I dealt with some livestock attacks, but I didn't have much of a knowledge. And in 2013, when we first started the first team in North Wales, it, it sort of immediately came to the fore that there was a huge issue with it. And it was because a dedicated team had started and the farmers then over the months had the confidence to report because previously, I think there was a lot of crumbling bridges between the police and the farming communities because the, the solid links of rural crime teams weren't there. So I, I think some of the reports, I, I think there's always been a problem. This has always been a problem. There's millions of sheep and there's millions of dogs. And when the two collide, there's the, the issues that we have. So I think it's always been an issue. I think for me, the increases is due to confidence in the farming community, knowing that a rural crime team will be able to deal with it professionally now, which they didn't have 10 years ago. You know, like I said, we started in 2013, uh, a team, and at the time we were the only one in the UK. And now there's over 30 teams nationally in the UK. And it was interesting. I was tasked with setting up the David Powers their team in 2018, I think it was. It could be a year out either way, but about 2018. And their stats were really low on livestock attack reports. And I warned them at the time. I said, now you've got a dedicated team, you'll see a dramatic rise. And absolutely, 100%, that's what happened. Straight away, uh, the climb happened, and then it sort of starts to plateau. And I think going back to 2013 as well, this is when we did... I, I set in place a project and I engaged five teams throughout the UK because I didn't think it was just a North Wales problem. I thought it was a problem probably throughout the UK. Uh, and we got five teams to look at stats. And that came back very clearly that, you know, the, the stats are, are everywhere. You know, this is a, a huge problem throughout the UK. And we know there's about 15,000 sheep killed, predominantly sheep. It does happen to cattle as well, but rarely and very rarely to pigs. It's mostly sheep. And, you know, we're looking at about £1.2 million in losses. And that's just reported claims through the NFU Mutual. So this is a significant and massive problem. Uh, and I do agree with dog ownership during COVID, but I also think as well that it, this problem's always been there. It's just that the farmers were either would say, oh, I don't want to trouble the police with this, uh, or they didn't have the confidence that it would be dealt with professionally. But I've seen that swing dramatically uh, with the dedicated teams who have the knowledge now of when they go to a farm, they know the impact it has on the farmer and the, and we see the devastation it has. You know, the, it's not only the farmer. The, the, first of all, the, the livestock, the sheep, suffers. Absolutely suffers. You know, People think a livestock attack is just a bit of a chase around the field. It's not. You often see sheep uh, with, with limbs removed or innards hanging out or, or serious and still alive, you know, 
quite quite horrific, so they suffer. Secondly, the farmer has to deal with this, and it's it's not only financial, but it's very emotional as well. Like Anna said, it really has an impact on them and their livelihood, but also the anger of it as well. You then have most livestock attacks don't happen on purpose. It's usually down to irresponsible dog ownership. So if the dog gets shot, the dog suffers. Uh, the owner loses their dog or ends up in court or a destruction order or, or other punishment. And also the rural crime teams have seen these. When I was in North Wales as the manager there, we, we were getting reports every single day. So my team, the first thing in the day, we're, I've got to go, another, go to another livestock attack. And it's highly unpleasurable to see all those factors I've just mentioned and the impact it has on everybody involved in this. There's no winners, is there? Everybody loses, you know? Mm-hmm. And in terms of that process then for somebody who might be reporting a dog attack, what can they expect to what can they expect the process to involve in terms of reporting that attack? I mean, the, the first thing is it has to be reported, you know, because if if it's not reported, it never happened, did it? Because we need the statistics to be able to support getting more rural officers on the ground. So we encourage every farmer to report attack, even if it's one sheep. If, you know, his 10 sheep, please report it every time. So then we can get a truer picture of it. But if they do report it, uh, you know, in Wales, we're very lucky. We've got four force areas in Wales. Three have got full-time dedicated rural crime teams and the other force in South Wales has a team as well, but they're not full-time. They're actually officers who do additional work as well. But we have about 60 rural officers dedicated and trained. They've they've all attended uh, a farm course in Gethley Iron in Carmarthenshire where they get an input on farming and sheep and livestock. They get training on livestock attacks. So they're very, very highly skilled. So if a farmer reports, they're going to get an officer turn up who actually does know what they're talking about and knows the impact of losing a breeding ram or, you know, a pregnant ewe who's who's going to abort or has lost their, their lambs as well. So... If they, if they report, they will get attendance. And it, there's been a lot of mystery before. Is it an RSPCA matter? Is it a local dog warden matter? I read something this morning, advice on the internet saying, please report any livestock attacks to your local dog warden. They will do an investigation. No, it's absolutely 100% a police matter. Uh, you will get a crime instant number, which you can use. And then we will investigate it thoroughly. And, and there's various outcomes, you know, from the person getting a caution uh, to compensation to the farmer through right the way up to uh, a court appearance and possibly a dog destruction order. So there's, there's various levels of punishment, but they will be dealt with professionally. And am I right in thinking that a change has been proposed uh, in Parliament just now to increase police powers and farmers' rights? Um, Rob, perhaps you could just talk us through a bit, bit more detail of that. Yeah, sure. So 2013, when I did this project and in 2018, I produced a report, which was a sort of review of the five force areas and what they felt. So we all came up with the same theory. So I tried the tried and tested method of education, but the people who need educating on this are not the people who listen to be truthful. And it's similar to people who drive on their mobile phones or without seatbelts. They will never listen until such fact as the big stick gets waved and they end up in court or they get a fine or point in the license. And that's been a way that's worked in the past. So we've tried campaigns. We've tried online film videos, which we've done on livestock attacks. Uh, we've had cinema releases. We've done press cuttings. We've done days of action. It doesn't work. So about five years ago, and it's a journey that is, much harder than I'd ever envisage. Uh, I started with colleagues and, and people uh, from DEFRA and other organisations uh, to propose uh, an alteration to the 1953 Livestock Act, which is antiquated. It was made in 1953, eight years after the Second World War. It didn't take into account the livestock that's farmed now, such as llamas and alpacas and, and various things like that. And it also didn't cover things as DNA obtaining and, 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 and various things. So 
I propose that we, over the years, painfully put together a, a new proposed act. And actually, the act that we came up in the end is a brand new act that will completely change everything in regards to not only the laws that we have, but also the powers that the courts have and also the rights that the farmers have. And, and that is currently, it's been in Parliament now about two years uh, as part of the Kept Animals Bill. Uh, and the process is that it has to go through the House of Commons, first of all, there's about five or six stages there, and then it goes to the House of Lords. And, and if it succeeds there, then hopefully it gets royal assent. So we're just at the end process in the House of Commons. I've appeared on a couple of times to select committees in front of MPs, but there's overwhelming backing for it. It's a well-wrote act, in my opinion, and it gives us the powers that we need to make people understand the consequences of livestock attacks. Yeah, I was just going to agree with everything Rob said. You know, recent changes in legislation have been proposed to try and tackle that issue, but, you know, NSA believes they don't go far enough, and it sounds like, you know, Rob and other organisations are very much in the same mind space um, that we, we need to have sufficient deterrence to prevent these attacks happening and you know Scotland has changed its registration uh, its legislation recently and they strengthened their powers up, up in Scotland and you know we feel there is an increased need for dog owner education to reinforce the unpredictable behavior of even a very well well trained dog um you know we desperately need it um, and we need to make sure that when that when those acts come out and hopefully are approved that we you know dog owners become fully responsible and accountable for their dogs Mm-hmm. And what are some of the key elements of that in terms of um, in terms of the changes that you'd like to see? What would you like to see police powers to be? Is that for me? Yeah, yeah. The uh, well, first of all, it's where they can happen. You know, at the moment, the law in 1953 dictates that uh, livestock attacks only happen on arable land or where, where livestock are. So, you know, if a farmer is taking sheep across a roadway, across you know, to a, between fields, and an attack happens, there's no offence. Uh, alpacas and llamas and other animals that are now farmed are not covered in the act. The police have no powers of DNA. Uh, obtaining, which is an important part of an investigation. Now, of course, in '53, DNA existed, but they didn't know what it was or how to use that. So, you know, livestock attacks are notoriously difficult to prove because of the very nature of they happen in remote locations with no CCTV and no witnesses mainly. So to have that ability to obtain DNA from a dog and obtain DNA from the injured animal uh, and then match them together to prove an offence is massive for us. But also as well, I think one of the most powerful ones for me, and it's the most harrowing really, is at the moment we have powers of destruction. And it's under an 1871 Act. It just shows how we have to beg, borrow and steal from antiquated acts. But there's a power of destruction that the court can have. But there's no power to ban an owner of keeping a dog. So, So you get an owner who, I mean, can I just clarify, we don't, Send people to court on first offences. Usually, uh, it's usually if it's a repeat offender who never listens and goes back and back again, and then the courts have no option because this dog, once it's got blood, it goes back and it'll continue to commit offences. So it's a last resort for us to destroy a dog. But if we did that, and for example, if it's a husky, which has been a predominant dog that's been involved in attacks the last few years, the owner the next day can go back and buy ten huskies, and that that makes no sense to me whatsoever. And then dogs will do exactly the same. So you you just put a sticking plaster over the problem temporarily by killing a dog or euthanizing a dog, which you know in the end of the day it's, it's actually it's not the dog's fault. It's a natural instinct for them to chase and attack. It's the irresponsible dog ownership. So I want to make it more stringent and strict in regards to the powers to actually ban people from keeping animals. And that's really important to me. And it was something that was highlighted in the select committee when I was there. I was questioned at length over it. And I'm I'm really, uh, I stand my point on this. And I think it does make a huge difference, you know, that people shouldn't, if you, if you can't handle a dog, and we have to realize as well, everybody keeps mentioning leads, but a vast amount of dog 
attacks on livestock are dogs are actually the owners aren't present that the left loose in the house during the day or insecure or allowed to roam in the countryside you know if you're an irresponsible dog ownership dog owner you should a not be allowed to keep dogs and b you should be fined for it in court and that's what I want in the new act and I also I would like to see similar to car accidents as well a power to report so dog owners or irresponsible people who have dogs will know that their dogs attacked livestock cause horrendous injuries and then just put the dog in the boot of the car and drive off and go home and I think it should be part of the act that those people have a power to report within 24 hours. So, you know, livestock aren't, you know, because livestock aren't always looked at every 24 hours by a farmer. It's impossible on a hill and, and you know, and, and, and remote areas. So, you know, the poor, poor animal could be wandering around with severe injuries for a number of days before it's detected. So I think that's important as well for me that those provisions are put in, as well as the DNA obtaining, powers of search warrants uh, and banning orders. So it should cover a vast amount of areas. And then, of course, then once this law, new law in, I would expect that we'll see more prosecutions, more articles in the press, and that will help with the education. But there's also training then to do be done with the police and also the public and the farmers on the new powers. Mm-hmm. Now that all sounds re- really promising, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll no doubt be very welcomed by anyone who's been affected by a sheep attack, a dog attack, sorry, on their sheep. Um, when uh, I don't know whether you'll know the answer to this, but when might we expect this act to be passed or um, is it any time in the near future? That's the golden question. I was asked about three or four years ago when I started this journey and I was uh, naively confident that I'd get it through within 12 months. And then, of course, we had uh, the COVID pandemic and then we've had Ukraine war and various other things that actually put Parliament back a step. Uh, so the journey I've had is a long one and it's, it's involved many visits to London and also meetings. But I, I would I would like to hope that once it gets to the House of Commons and passes all the hurdles it, it has, that it will proceed and carry on. You know, there, there's also the small possibility that it may not proceed at all, it could be stopped, but I would hope that wouldn't happen. It'd be very frustrating because it's there for the right reasons, not for the wrong reasons. It's there to make a difference to a problem that we've become unexpected experts in, really. Uh, never expected to be involved in this part of policing, but I really understand the problem, the, the issues, and the history of livestock attacks and, and the impact it has on our farming communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, hopefully that's uh, that's something that we'll be hearing about uh, in the headlines or writing about, in my case, in the next few months, years. Um, so just in terms of uh, what's going on just now to, uh, you know, work that's going on now to kind of educate and, and things like that. Nicola, I know that as an organisation, NSA obviously represents sheep farmers. So what kinds of things does NSA do to kind of raise the profile of the issue uh, and what work's going on in the background there? Yeah, so... Um... I've explained NSA is working really hard to raise the awareness of these incidents, whether that be um, within within the farming community, but obviously those audiences that we maybe need to get better at talking to. And we're trying to find ways of improving education and guidance and cooperation. So we're trying to work with bodies like the RSPCA, the Kennel Club, um, uh, local and, and national police forces, anyone that we can really work with, national trust people that we can get to to possibly target the dog ownership audience. You know, we have a very good communication network within the farming community, and um, but it's trying to push those messages to the wider community and those those um, educational messages to dog owners themselves. 
Um, we try and sit on industry stakeholder groups and work with governments and farmers and police forces to highlight those devastating effects of sheep worrying. And um, as I said before, the more cases you can report um, makes the figures more accurate, helps us push sheep worrying higher up the policy agenda and get thing, things like the Animal Welfare Act, and uh, sorry, the Animal Welfare Bill and Animal Sentence Bill through Parliament to give police forces the powers they need to do the, you know, to do what they want, need to do in order to get people, the right people taken away from owning dogs and reduce the case of sheep rowing hopefully longer term um i sort of touched upon it um previously but part of our ongoing activity to highlight those serious devastating issues of sheep worrying we run and um, we try and run an annual sheep rowing survey um which has been running since um 2013 uh, and this year's survey is set to launch 8th of february which is next week so we try to encourage all sheep farmers whether they've experienced sheep worrying or not to contribute to that survey just again to gain an up-to-date insight of what's going on in terms of its continued severity and impact to the uk sheep industry um, we feed those survey results directly into Sheep Worrying Week. It's one of our annual campaigns and we launched this at a significant time um, where UK flocks and many ewes are at the final stage of pregnancy and have vulnerable or have vulnerable lambs at foot. Um, so it just means that the risk of miscarriage or mismothering due to stress from sheep worrying is kind of an increased area. We try and time it with the Easter holidays, essentially when um, daylight hours are longer, um, evenings are lighter and more people are out and about in the countryside. So we push those messages throughout sheep rowing week specifically and um, but we're always doing any activity um to try and promote positive I say positive responsible dog ownership where we can uh, and pushing those messages of um sheep rowing and the devastating effects that it can have downstream on sheep farmers mm-hmm. um rob just back to you um you mentioned uh just before about training for police forces and that side of things um it's yeah, it's something we, we sometimes hear and you've touched on it as you've been talking just in terms of uh, police not really understanding the kind of r- rural issues or the issue of sheep worrying. So what kind of measures are in place uh, to yeah to educate or train police forces in how to deal with the, this issue? I think I think we're really lucky in Wales. You know, like I said, we, we started this. Uh, so we started the farm training course at Carmarthen about 18 months ago. We've run three courses now for 20 officers on each of those. So 60 officers from across Wales have had a morning in the classroom, actually understanding the, the issues of farming, which a lot of police don't understand, you know, that actually to call it a farm at certain times is difficult. And also the health and safety impacts of attending a farm, which can be in a, de- a dangerous environment, but also the impact of livestock attacks we're talking about now. And they get to actually go in the classroom in the afternoon, they go out on the farm and they see the dangers of machinery and, and livestock handling. So that's really important. But I also run, I run a one hour monthly popping awareness session. So it's a different subject every single month, but they will get an input uh, where they dial in on teams uh, from all over the country. So it doesn't mean they have to travel. I record it so it gets fed out afterwards so they don't have to, if they're busy and they're on, they're working at the time and they're, they're not available, they can watch it at their leisure. And that's an additional part of the training they get as well uh, with regards to livestock attacks. I, I, additionally, as well, we, we make sure that control room staff are trained. Uh, so those are the people that work in the communication centres. So when the first phone call comes in, there's an understanding of the issues and what the problems are. Uh, and in North Wales, and it continues today, we also gave training to all new police officers and all new uh, community support officers. So that's that's really important as well. So it, it and, and because the police is very transient, people move posts all the while or retire and new police officers come in. It's, it's a continuing program that we run. It's not just a one-off. So for example, 60 officers have been trained in Wales now, but I'm pretty much confident I'll be running a, a further uh, course near the end of this year that will give that uh, additional training to the new officers. So I'm very grateful to the, the college for the, the, the training and also Welsh Government 
who take this very seriously and have funded the course, the three courses now, which is really great to see. So that's been a huge success. And the feedback we've had from the police and the college and the college as well has been overwhelmingly positive. And I'd hopefully in time that will be reflected in the officers who attend the farms and the farmers can give that feedback to say that actually the bridges are not crumbling anymore. They're very solid uh, and we're in a better place than we were and they're actually getting the result they want in what can be a really dreadful situation. Mm. Yeah, no, that sounds fantastic. And just in terms of the the training uh, outside of Wales, is there somebody the equivalent to yourself in England or in different, different regions of England running running similar things that you're aware of? No, we've been very, very lucky. You highlighted something before. So you highlighted Scotland under the new act before, or it was highlighted in this conversation. That that was the one we started, but they just jumped the gun and they got it through quicker than we did in Parliament. So that's fine, more than happy, because there's a lot of the stuff that we've used that they, they're using and it, it'll have a, a, a good effect. So... In, so the National Police Chief Council, they have uh, 12 priorities. Six of them are wildlife priorities and six of them are, are rural priorities. And livestock, which I've got as a chair, is within that. Uh, they, we took the first step in Wales to, to actually put my position in place. And the benefits have been overwhelming. They really have, you know, and bringing everybody together and speaking to partner agencies and, and taking on projects such as this. I mean, I've got a diverse job. You know, one day I'm dealing with otters and the next day I'm, I'm dealing with livestock attacks or habitat damage. It's a huge, diverse uh, thing that we're doing, but we're making great strides. And the good thing is that England now, uh, they've appointed a superintendent, Andy Huddleston, who, uh, and, and I suggested that they start a national rural crime unit as well as a national wildlife crime unit, and they've agreed. So he's going to be in charge of that, and that's going to start looking at uh, farming offences in England as well. So there's a lot of uh, swap over between ideas between the two of us. But I think in Wales, we're, we're certainly leading the way at the moment. Uh, because we've, we've, we've jumped the gun a bit and gone in a bit head first with it, really, which is great. So where we're at in Wales, and I just quickly, this is relevant to livestock attacks. So we've, we haven't got 12 priority areas, which we think is a bit overcomplicated here in Wales. So we've gone for six key areas, uh, and they're not just wildlife and rural. So we've got a bird group, which looks at bird offences. We've got habitat damage. We've got a mammals group, but then we've got the farm group. And the farm group looks at all offences associated with uh, the farming industry, uh, whether it be a quad bike theft, a livestock theft, a livestock attack, arson, cold callers, uh, security measures. So we look at that and that that's a really good group. And that involves all four force leads and also people from various organisations involved in farming. On top of that, we have a rural supervisors group is one of the strategy leads where we all get together and discuss issues that's going on through Wales. And the final one, which is really interesting, you highlighted it at the beginning of this, the impact is that we've actually, for the first time, and it's not been done anywhere else in the UK, we've we've got a rural uh, group looking at mental health issues in the farming community, uh, suicide prevention, and also domestic violence, coercive and controlling behaviour, which you know doesn't just happen in urban areas. So that all these six groups meet, I chair five out of the six and i'm also the secretary for for six out of the six uh but we we basically these these are coming together we're now currently finalizing that they're meeting they're producing positive results but i'm with the welsh government now writing the rural strategy for wales which has never been done before and that will be released on the 27th of april at the rural conference in uh Bilth wells uh so there's there's big moves coming afoot really in regards to uh that and that that report and strategy will be presented by Leslie Griffiths, MS, who's the Minister for Agriculture for Wales, uh, and also the Chief Constable from David Powers will be there as well, who's also the Rural Lead for Wales. Uh, so we're making some really big steps in the right direction. I'm really pleased with the way it's going. Like I said, we've got it's a, it's not just about livestock attacks, is it? This is a massive portfolio, but we're looking at everything individually, and and, and it's not just the police looking at it. We're using our key partner agencies 
to add that guidance and expertise that we need to be able to make a difference. No, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and it just it sounds like there's some really promising work ongoing in terms of rural policing with the, with the sheep worrying, but also the kind of wider issues in rural communities. So um, really, really great to to get your insight on that. Thank you, Rob. And um, that's us about out of time both. So I will I'll have to wrap this up. But thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, really, really interesting, especially on that new legislation work. And uh, hopefully, as I say, we'll be. We'll be reporting on that in the not too distant future, which I think will be very welcome by farmers. So thank you both very much. Yeah, thank you very much. That's it for this week's Over the Farmgate podcast. Don't forget you can get all the latest headlines this week from fginsight.com or pick up a copy of the latest Farmers Guardian magazine. We'll be back with another Over the Farmgate next Friday. Thanks for listening and bye for now. (laughs) 